Hey, I'm Kim Short, and it's time to get your podcast on. Welcome to What Led Her Here, exploring the defining experiences of women's lives. My guest today is the awesome Samantha King. Samantha is so many things, mom, mentor, speaker, and online business owner. She believes that we as women are stronger together and we all have something to offer. This led to her founding Fempire Builders, which connects female entrepreneurs from across Canada in the spirit of learning, collaboration, and inspiration. I'm so happy to have her here today to share her story. Welcome, Samantha. Thank you. I'm excited to be here and to chat today. So there was a point in your life when you were experiencing some intense personal stuff. So that led you to a kind of crossroads in life in general, but in specific your professional life too, right? Yep. So can you take us back to 2015 and share how you navigated that pivotal time? Yeah, I like to call it the perfect storm of crap. Let's just say, (laughs) I know you said stuff, but it really was 2015 was really that, you know, that inner call within me that was, you know, what are you going to do about this? Like, what are you, I've always been somebody who very much just kind of goes, okay, this is where we're at now. Let's put a plan of action together. But in 2015, I had just had my second child, Max, and, um, right within, I think it was about 30 days before that my daughter, Penny, Uh, who was four at the time, had been diagnosed with autism. And this had really been something that, a journey that had been going on since she was 18 months old. She had been um, assessed at two and a half and they were like, well, you know, we're not really sure. And they didn't want to give her a label. So then we went through it again at four. So it's kind of, I love to say it's like the, it was the 18 months of like, does she have it? Does she not have it? And in and out and, and trying to figure all these things out. And meanwhile, I'm pregnant at at, at the tail end of it. And then I had my son and, you know, you're trying to juggle this, this new norm and what that means uh, for her. And I got hit with a very bad, I would say, bout of postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. And the anxiety I had had when I had had Penny and I actually left the teaching world because of it, because it was so, it was so strong. Um, But the depression was, you know, it was, it was scary. It was a scary time in my life. You know, I was standing outside the bathroom door, just like praying, waiting for my husband to come out. You know, those memes that they show on social media of the kid with the hands under the bathroom (laughs) doors. And it's like mom trying to go to the bathroom. Well, I was that person. I was standing outside the door, terrified that one of my kids were going to look at me, let alone need anything. Yeah. Right. And so it was a new low and it was hard. And so it came to this point where I had to say, you know, as I, as I was coming out of that spot, it was like, if I'm going to do something with my life, it needs to be something that brings me joy, that gets me fired up. It's got to be something that really gets me excited about my time away from my kids because I had a lot of, you know, mom stuff going on and, and there, I knew there would be mom guilt, uh, especially when my, when my maternity leave was over. And, uh, it was a time where, you know, I said, Hey, if this is what the norm is going to be, as I said, I'm very much like, okay, this is where we are. What's the plan of attack. Then I'm going to do something that's going to bring me joy. There's something that's going to light me up and help me come back from this postpartum depression. And that's really when I started entrepreneurship. Yeah. 
So before that, you were in corporate. And I know you also had been teaching prior to that as well. Yeah, it's a funny story. Uh, My family jokes that I at one point had a license for everything. Um, I've worked retail. I've sold textbooks to schools. Um, I was teaching, I was in corporate, I was in small business. I've really done a little bit of everything in a bunch of interesting different industries. I really spent my 20s just kind of bouncing around my Bachelor of Arts. So I have a Bachelor of Education, which is my teaching degree. And my Bachelor of Arts is actually in classical studies, which is the history, the culture, the languages of ancient Greece and Rome. So at one point, I actually paid to learn Latin, a dead language. (laughs) I think that, you know, it was a very interesting point in my life because there was so much mom stuff going on. My body was doing different things after pregnancy, leading to the postpartum depression and that. Uh, But it was also an awakening, like professionally too. And like, what does Samantha want to do? Yeah. Because nobody ever asked me that. I spent most of my childhood just trying to get through, just trying to survive. And so when university came, you know, nobody sat down with me and was like, okay, what are you going to do with this? I just, my my decision process was very much, well, if I'm going to have to study for another four years, then I'll do something that I guess I'm interested in and I'm interested in like Greek mythology. So what could I do with that? (laughs) Like, and not what could I do with that in my life? How could I study that for four years? And it was great. I loved it. Um, my daughter's actually named after Penelope from the Odyssey for, for meaningful reasons, but yeah, like nobody had ever stopped me and said like, what do you want to do? Yeah. I think that's really important. And I'm sort of at that point with my twins is like, Mm -hmm. start thinking about university and what you want to do. And I think it's also important for them to think about what they don't want to do. Right. Right. Because, and, and I think, you know, sometimes it can be a really stressful time because there's a lot of pressure from teachers and other people like to, you know, you know, figure out your whole life when you're Mm -hmm. a teenager. And I try to alleviate some of that from my own kids because I tell them this is supposed to be fun and exciting. Yeah. And you know what? You don't need to know what you're going to be. Mm-hmm. And you don't, it's not like you have to be one thing forever. I think yeah. that's a really important message too, right? Is that mm-hmm. you can change and like you did. Yeah, right? absolutely. And I think that it's important to remind ourselves as we're, as we're parenting or as we're talking to that next generation. The thing is, is that you know, they, they were raised differently. They, they've seen just as much technology increase as our grandparents did. You know, like my grandparents being born when not everybody had a car and seeing that go through. And these guys have seen such a jump as well, but their jobs may not have even been created yet. Mm. Like if somebody had asked me, even in, when I was coming out of high school in 2002, like, what are you going to do? And I was like, Oh, online business owner. Like I'm going to teach people how to create online courses and online businesses that generate more one-on-one leads for them. My teachers would have been like, I don't know what that is, but that's not a thing. (laughs) Right, exactly. Right? And we're seeing like people on YouTube making all kinds of money. My kids watch YouTube all the time. It's their TV. They don't watch TV. They watch YouTube, right? They've got certain channels that they like to watch. My my daughter asked me what my favorite YouTube show was when I was a kid. And I said, that wasn't a thing. Yeah, right? (laughs) We only, I remember when, I think I was 15 or maybe 16 when we got the internet, AOL, right? Dial up and it was like this amazing thing. And yeah, yeah, how far it's come is pretty incredible. So like you said, the job that they end up doing someday might not exist currently. Yeah. Right. And so, and, and you don't want them to have the experience that I had where I just kind of went through life and I was 30, I was 31 when I had Max before I was like, okay, you know, it's time to have this conversation with yourself, Samantha, what do you like doing? 
Yeah. What are you interested in? Because, you know, going up until this point hasn't been working. And it wasn't just that, you know, I had been unhappy with my jobs. I loved, like, I, I had some tough bosses, sure, but I learned a lot. I learned what I didn't want when I was doing, like, I was doing telesales at one point where I was like making 150 to 200 cold calls a day. Like that wasn't super fun, <laughs> but I learned a lot. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's one of the things I look at it and go, okay, well I learned, right? Like, cause stuff's going to happen, right? Our lives are not easy. And one of the things I always like to say to people is that you don't have to have some monumental, like tragic event to happen for you to be like, yeah, my life wasn't easy. Yeah, because some of us can have, you know, seemingly perfect childhoods, but maybe there was a lot of pressure or maybe there was this or maybe there was that and nothing tragic happened. But yeah, it it wasn't easy because there are times in our lives that just aren't easy, no matter what's going on, whatever the external factors are. And so, like, you know, I learned a lot, but I had never had that conversation with myself where I'd been like, okay, what do you want? Right. Like if you watch. So for those for those that know me, they know I consume a lot of content not on YouTube like my kids, but television. <laughs> um, I was just saying to like, I used to work at the Blockbuster around here. Yeah. Um, and so it reminds me of that. I always say like the notebook, right? And and Ryan Gosling is yelling at her like, what do you want? That was the situation, right? My daughter had just been diagnosed with autism and I worked for a wonderful uh, local small business that was very understanding and would let me, you know, if I had to have Tuesdays off, Tuesday afternoons off for eight weeks to take her to one of her sessions, I could. But you know, when you become a special needs parent, you almost become unemployable in some ways in the traditional sense, because you may have to leave work to go and pick up your child. They may have a series of appointments or therapy sessions that you can't schedule around because right now, and especially with our healthcare system, like you wait. And when you finally get a call from the specialist, you go. So it had been, you know, there had been the depression, there had been the anxiety. And, and I honestly say like my son was probably about three before I really felt connected to him. So it wasn't just, it wasn't like I made this decision and then everything was better, but it was, there were so many different factors that I was at a point where I was like, you know what, I need to put me first if I'm going to survive this. And I was lucky. I had a supportive spouse. So I've been very much blessed in that sense that I did have that support that going out on my own wasn't as scary as it could have been. Yeah, that's absolutely so important to have that supportive partner. And I think it's great that you were able to ask yourself to have, like you said, have mm -hmm. that conversation with yourself, you know, figure out what you really wanted to do, what was going to be fulfilling to you. So I love that you were able to do that. And obviously that it's centered around women and connecting women, I think is so amazing. That is totally my thing. Yeah. And that's why we're here talking today, because creating those communities of women and connecting women and celebrating women, which is, I know what you're all about, mm -hmm. I think is so important. So yes, please tell us more about how you go about doing that with Vampire Builders. I think one of the things that's really important to me, and I say this all the time, whether I'm talking about you know, parenthood, special needs, or, or being, being a woman or a woman in business is that we're not alone. But when I went out on my own, even though I had the support and I was excited about what I was doing, it was really lonely. It was very lonely. And on social media, we see other people's highlight reels and we see the advertisements for these entrepreneurs who are like, I'll teach you how to do this and get six figures and all these things. And I'm living my best life. And, you know, you look at that and you, you go like, how, 
how do I make that my reality? Because I'm very lonely. Maybe the self-doubt is coming in, you know, imposter syndrome, huge. And I struggled too with trying to figure out, you know, who people thought I was supposed to be and the training I had received over the years. Cause I was always the youngest person in the room. I might even have been, you know, brushed off or not taken seriously because I was the youngest person in the room, but it really left me with like, I have to be this and I have to be this. So even after I made that decision, it wasn't all sunshine and roses. I still struggled. And, you know, that's where Vampire Builders was born from. And our squad community really is about empowering each other. It's about surrounding each other with love and support while you're starting your business, because that can be the hardest time. And that can be when the most doubt comes in, right? And so it's about, you know, surrounding each other with love and support. It's about, you know, empowering each other. But as I've said to you, it's also about helping these women step into their expertise, whatever that is. Step into your power, because just because one person is at the front of the room doesn't mean that the rest of the room doesn't have experiences and expertise that we all need to hear about. And so in our squad membership, there's a whole bunch of training from me, but there's also training from our other squad members. We're very much about saying, hey, this month, you're going to do a masterclass. You're going to teach us if that's what you want to do. And I help them actually come up with what they're going to teach and where that's going to go too, because the squad also holds a space that says it's okay to want to make money. It's not a dirty word to make money because I find that with women, we struggle with, you know, our worth, um, and charging what we're worth. And then, you know, like, should we be saying that we want to make money? Well, yeah, I deserve to be paid for what's in between my ears. Like I worked hard to learn all these things in my head and I deserve to be paid for that. And so really holding that space where they can show up, they can be business owners, they can be women, they can be moms, and they will be loved and supported no matter what. And that's important to me, not just because of my own journey in entrepreneurship, but also my own journey into motherhood. When I had my own kids, you think like, you know, this life might be this way, or you're going to be this type of parent, or you know the parent you're not going to be. But a lot of the time, you know, you have to show up in the way that your child needs. It's not about you anymore. You know, my kids need me to be a different parent and I've been mom shamed and I've had people, you know, judge me because of the parent I have to be for my kids. And, you know, because they're a different type of parent. And I've also seen in the groups where the mom, you know, when you, you, and you probably remember this when you first have your kids and people are like, no, no, you know, I do it this way or I do it that way. And, you know, it's not really about them judging me at that point. It's more about them feeling like they're doing it wrong, which is not the case. You know, everybody raises their kids in different ways. But as we get older and the kids get older, then you start to see that judgment come in because, you know, I'm not doing it that way. And that's not how I do it. And, And I don't necessarily know that it's always a judgment of, you know, what I'm doing so much as it is not wanting to feel like you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Right. Because we all get through that. And I think that happens in business too. Right. Well, this person's posting on Instagram this many times a day, or this person's running their business this way. And even, especially if you're in the same industry as somebody else. Right. And so then you're like, well, that's wrong. Is it wrong? Or do I just feel like maybe I'm doing it wrong? Like, you know, that's that self-doubt piece, if that makes sense. Yeah, I totally get that. And the, there's a quote that occurs to me. I th- it's something like comparison is the thief of joy mm-hmm. or the killer of joy. It's both yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I, I 
I totally can relate to that, you know, especially in business, but for sure, like in anything, especially with social media. Oh my goodness. You know, right. Cause you're always, like you said, you're seeing these highlight reels. You're not seeing in many cases, some people put it all out there, Mm -hmm. the good, the bad, the ugly. And I applaud that because for me, that authenticity is is sure. so engaging and so refreshing. Yeah. And, you know, especially lately, I've, there's been a few women I've seen on social media who, you know, they put out there what they stand for, even if it might be controversial. But I just feel like seeing that, mm-hmm. right, as, as opposed to just pretty pictures mm-hmm. is like, that's what actually I want to Yeah. Like that's the kind of content I want to consume is like the meaningful, real stuff. Right. But like you said, that comparison can be so difficult. And in parenting, it's so personal. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're like, it's, it's, you know, in business, it's one thing, but in parenting, like these are lives, these are Mm -hmm. little lives that that you're shaping. Right. I'd love to, to talk to you about, you know, those parenting expectations that we have before we have kids that are probably a lot shaped by the parenting that we've had. Right. Mm -hmm. And then sort of the reality of parenting that occurs after we have kids and we realize, you know, there are things that we need to do to get through and to thrive and everything. So Mm -hmm. I'd love for for you to speak to that expectation versus reality. Yeah. And I think it was something I never really thought about. Like I remember my sister in law was having an issue with my niece getting her to do her homework work or something when I was pregnant with Penny. And I remember saying to her, you think this kid's going to listen to me when it comes out? This is the only time I have really any control is while she's inside (laughs) when she comes out. Right. And, you know, so I had that kind of like, I understood that, which I think is very humbling. Um, when you can understand that, you know, they're kids and they're going to do what they're going to do. But then when you added the autism onto it, it became more about them. And rather than this idea, like I said, I knew what kind of parent I didn't want to be. And then, you know, there were, there were things that had to be done. And, you know, like I really, you know, would have loved to have been one of those parents who could sit and reason with their child and, you know, have that very quiet, very calm, because I did come from a household that had a lot of yelling. And so there were so many things that I would have loved to have done. And, and I've been mom shamed on those things and, and the way I can't do those things. But, you know, at the end of the day, I have to be what my child needs me to be. And sometimes, yeah, I can have a conversation about very meaningful things, not deep. Usually, usually it has to be very short because of my daughter's attention span. But like, for example, you have parents who will say like, well, I'm never, I don't let my kids play on the iPad and my kids can't watch YouTube. And you know, my nine-year-old can't watch the Simpsons. Well, for me, my kids learned how to play, do imaginative play by watching those unboxing videos on YouTube and then watching the kids play with them. I know Caillou's another one. Everybody hates Caillou, but that was huge huge for my daughter. My son, my son didn't need this as much, but my daughter, she needed that modeled behavior in Mm. a way that was of interest to her because of her autism. If it's not interesting to her, she, she can get wrapped up in her own world. And so the unboxing videos were perfect for her to learn. Yeah. She spent a lot of time on YouTube, but she learned a lot. Yeah. She still watches a lot of YouTube. She's a gamer, right? So she feels that's how she can connect to these people playing video games. And as I said to you, she has a few channels she watches. And then Caillou again, like, yes, we had a rule in our house that like, I don't want to hear you whine, but the narrator in Caillou actually articulates and explains how everybody's feeling. And so for somebody who doesn't understand other people's emotions or what's being said on their face, right? Like my daughter's very much like Sheldon Cooper in the early state, in the early seasons of the Big Bang Theory. That was huge for her because she was able to then articulate and identify her own experiences and then actually see like, oh, other people have emotions. And then, you know, there's other parents who are like, no, no, 
YouTube is bad. And there are some very, very big drawbacks of YouTube. But again, my children needed this with intention, right? We don't just turn on YouTube to turn on YouTube. Right. There's a reason we're doing it. But even with The Simpsons, I mean, for me, I, the other day, like I said, I I always wanted to have really meaningful conversations with my kids, but they can't be like these, like we sit around the dinner table and have conversations because that's just not them. But I was able to turn a conversation about an episode of The Simpsons where Lisa dyes her hair into a, a conversation about representation. Awesome. So it's very much about, you know, what you do with the cards that you're dealt. But I feel like, you know, a lot of the time, one of the biggest learnings for me, especially since, you know, I had a very obviously, because I've said it a couple of times, but a very traumatic experience with mom shaming is realizing that that judgment may not be coming. It's not about me. That is so true. Right. It's not about me. The judgment that was made on me or the judgments that are made on me are not about me. And they're usually about somebody else feeling like maybe they're not doing the right thing. That's and absolutely I feel true. like we all have those moments, yeah. right? Because I, of course, have been like, well, I could never do that. And then you start to you have to stop yourself because you're like, wait a second, I'm going down this rabbit hole. And am I judging them because of, you know, what they're doing, or is this more part of my inner story and how do I work on that? Yeah. Because judgment doesn't really serve any purpose. I always say, unless you're an actual judge and that's your job, (laughs) but it doesn't serve any purpose. And so with women, we come up in this area where like, we're very quick to judge each other. And so with vampire builders, I'm really trying to turn that on its head and have this community where you can be who you are and it's okay to be a business owner. And it's okay to be a mom, whatever kind of mom that can be. I commend you. You have a space at my table because I understand that everybody is different and everybody's just doing the best that we can. And so Vampire Builders really is about holding that space for you to come in and be a business owner and say, I deserve to be paid what I'm worth and I'm in this to make money. I mean, yes, I'm in it to make an impact. Of course, we all are. Yeah. I think we've come past as a society, this idea where we live to work right? Really, we want to work to live. That's kind of this awakening I see us going through as a society. And that means making money. Yeah, I can make an impact and make money at the same time. I can be a mom and be a business owner at the same time. And all of this is okay because we're all doing it because that's what we feel is the right thing. And that's really been kind of my vision of where I want to go. And so even as a mom, in the last couple of years, that's been huge for me because I came from somewhere where there was a lot of judgment. And so for me, when that happened, it was so funny because that never comes up for me in business, never came up for me in school and my social, like in my social life. But as a mom, yeah, I felt like I was being attacked. I felt like these people were out to get me. I felt like you know, and I probably was being judged, but it was such a huge idea and a, such a huge experience for me. And I wasn't able at that point to step back and say, but is it really about me? Yeah, that is so true because it's not who's anyone to judge, right? I mean, no mm-hmm. one's perfect. We're all, like you said, doing the best we can. They're at a different stage in their journey of parenthood and in their journey of learning. And they may not come from the same experiences I come from. You know, parenting my son may be different than parenting somebody else's son. Parenting my daughter is different than parenting my son because they both have autism, but they have different levels of autism. Right. They're one's a boy, one's a girl. Like things present differently in boys and girls. But that doesn't mean that there aren't some some things that I wanted to do differently. I'm very intentional with my daughter and how she talks to herself. And so 
very much like, you know, if I hear her say something, I'm like, we don't talk to ourselves like that. Just like we would say, we don't talk to other people like that. I let her know. We don't talk to ourselves like that. And with my son, I'm very much, I talk to him about consent, but not in like, you know, don't do this or don't do that. I teach him to respect his own body. You know, one of the things we say with him, we say it with both my kids, but with my son, especially I'll say to him, my body, my choice, because then he gets to decide. And that gives him that. Now he's like, okay, well, if it's my body, my choice, then it's your body, your choice. Right. And so very much thinking about how do we want these children to go out through the world? I also tell my son, like, if he has to have feelings, then he should let them out. They should come out, right? I I don't want him to go into that stereotypical toxic masculinity thing, right? But that's what works for me. Yeah. For somebody else, they may be on a different journey and that may not be what works for them. The important thing is that we need to be able to say, it's okay. And I'm not going to judge you. And I'm not going to make you feel like you're alone because you're not alone. You're going through a different journey than me over here, but we're all still going through something. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be this traumatic thing. Like just because, you know, I may be a special needs mom doesn't mean that my struggle is different than another mom who sure has a neurotypical kid, but is still going through struggles. We all have challenges and our kids present different challenges every day of the week, every minute of the day. And so I think it's really important. And and I apply that philosophy to business, to life, to whatever, right? Because, you know, it was really funny. I saw a meme again. So yeah, huge consumer of content. It was really just somebody telling their story about how she was in the bathroom and her kid had thrown up on her shirt and it was the only shirt that she had. And her and her other daughter were yelling to try to get the husband's attention because they were in an airport (laughs) and uh, just for him to get the other shirt. And all of a sudden she, she, this voice behind her was like, what is your, what's your husband's name? And she turned around and it was Elizabeth Banks. Oh, right. So if you don't know Elizabeth Banks, uh, she was in the Pitch Perfect series, but she's also F.U. Trinket on oh, the Hunger Games, on the Hunger Games yes. right? May the yeah. odds be ever in your favor. Yeah. And she's done a bunch of other great stuff. She had stint on Modern Family and stuff. And so she went up to him and, and she was and she said his name, like she yelled his name. And when he like she goes, my husband was shocked to hear Miss Banks <laughs> yelling his name. But the important the moral of the story is that. In, underneath the the it was the screenshot of the story and then underneath they'll show like the celebrity that commented and so elizabeth bank had commented and said you know if you have an opportunity to help a mother out help a mother out yes right and it's the same thing with women if you have an opportunity to help another woman help another woman absolutely women are always going to be stronger together I mean, it's how we got the vote. It's how we've done so many things, right? Stronger together. We as a human race are stronger together. Yes. And so how can we, in my little world, this is how I impact that. Yeah, I love what you're doing. And I think it's so important that you are bringing women together. And I love that they are moms, they're business owners. There are so many things Mm -hmm. that make us who we are. We're not just one thing, right? And all of those things together hold such value. And when we can connect with other women and really like lift each other up, I I think it's so valuable. So thank you for doing what you're doing. It's incredible. I love it. And and I think for me, it's, it's my reminder too, to continue working on myself and to continue you walking the walk and talking the talk. And that's why a lot of the time I have no problem sharing my experiences. I have no problem sharing my story because I feel like if I'm comfortable enough to share, then I have a duty to share. When I talk about my postpartum depression, whenever I talk about it too, even on social media, I get like 10 private messages from women who are like, I thought it was just me or yeah, I was going through that too. And I didn't even know they were going, if they were friends of mine, I might not have even known they were going 
going through it because they didn't know or they didn't feel comfortable because we're supposed to be these loving parents right out the gate and we're supposed to be connected. And like Max was three before I really felt like he was more than a chore. And I have to live with that for the rest of my life. And, you know, there's a lot of guilt around that. Yeah. Because we're told, especially, you know, when we look at situations where other women are struggling to have kids or other women have lost children and they're going through such a traumatic experience. And I remember, you know, ever since that happened with Max, because I never really knew what it was till I experienced it. I remember, and I, I'm holding back tears here, but like, I remember thinking like, how could I feel that way when other women are struggling? Yeah. What's wrong with me? And really just looking at it from the sense, and I did the medication and I did all the things because of course I wanted to be the best mom for my child. Yeah. But yeah, people hear that and yeah, some people will judge me and they'll say, yeah, what's wrong with you? And I think that a lot of the time, first of all, we don't need any help being judged because as I was saying, a lot of the time, even if we're lashing out or we're judging somebody else, it's probably because it's not about them. It's because we're judging ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, I don't need any help judging myself. I carry enough guilt around on my own. But, you know, we look at it that way. And and so it's really important that I share this because there might be another mother who's figuring that out and really saying, you know, you're entitled to your feelings. You're allowed to feel the way you feel. It doesn't negate what that person's going through or what that person's going through doesn't make what you're going through any less important. Right. And I think that's part of it is that, you know, it's not necessarily the mom shaming that gets us. It's this idea that we put in our own heads that, well, it could be worse. And I grew up like that. I did not have a very happy childhood. So I grew up in a fact where like, it could be worse. It could be this, it could be that, but really it doesn't have to be worse. Your story, whatever it is, your child, maybe you just put too much pressure on yourself. You had a perfectly lovely childhood, but for you, there were hard points and there were things that sucked. And that's okay. You don't have to be going through this traumatic experience. The important thing is, is that you acknowledge that you're feeling it and you honor your own feelings and do your own work. That's all we can do. I can only control how I react and what I do with my experiences and what I do with what I know and what I do. Like, that's all I can do. And I say that to my daughter all the time too. She's very hard on herself, very, very critical. And I, and I say to her, you know, you don't need to be all of these things. You just need to be you. So for example, yesterday she was, she was in a, she's been homeschooled for the last three years. She was in a class, right? They do it online. She was like, people were talking in the chats and I told them they're supposed to be listening. And I said, cool, like totally cool. But remember, you don't have to be the police. You don't have to be the teacher. You don't have to be the rule enforcer. You don't have to be that. You just have to be responsible for you, which then of course led into her being upset at herself for doing that because that's kind of where she's coming from. But then we had another discussion about how like, but it's okay to make mistakes. Like, so now you know that for next time, right? Just don't do it again. No big deal. But we put so much pressure on ourselves and, and it's not just a woman thing. I mean, that's a human race thing where we're like, you know, oh, I shouldn't have said this. Or, oh, I shouldn't have said that, right? Like, even as as I get off this podcast, I'm going to be like, oh, what did I say? <laughs> Was I supposed to say that? <laughs> did I hit, right? And really, like, we're just having a conversation. No, I can totally relate to that. And you know what? I think all of what you've said is valuable because, and this is the spirit of this podcast was to give women a platform to share their stories because inevitably there is definitely something that you've said that a lot of women can relate to. And there's definitely, you know, lessons that you've learned that can help 
other women. So mm-hmm. that is what this is all about. So I so appreciate you sharing so openly because to empower and to inspire other women is what the What Let Her Here community is all about. And I really appreciate you being part of that. Thank you. Thank you so much. I've had, like I said, I love chatting with you and I love sitting down and, and yeah, just being in a space because you, you hold such a space for us to be free and for us to do exactly what you just said, for us to be able to sit down and say, yeah, this is who I am. I've done great things and I've screwed up, but I'm in work in progress and I'm going to be until the day I die. And that's so true. That journey never ends until, Mm -hmm. like you said, the day we die. And, you know, perfectionism is not a thing. It is, it's impossible. Mm -hmm. And so to just embrace our humanity and, Mm -hmm. you know, and all its messiness and just to know that all of our experiences shape us and we have the opportunity to learn from, you know, any mistakes that we make. And I just think that the impact that you're having with women is so special and so powerful. So thank you for setting that in motion. Thank you. Yeah, we're having a blast in the squad. 